Twitter came up to me earlier, right outside, so he should have clapped too. There should have been at least two people clapping. And he was like, you finger anybody's butthole this weekend? And I was like, nope, but I got a hand job if that counts. But yeah, uh, I'm not just saying finger your bubbles to be dirty. I'm talking to my male friends in the audience and uh, prostate cancer is a very serious thing. So. <laughs> so I'm a sensitive bitch in the audience. Clearly doesn't agree. But won't remember that shit when you're losing your tits, bitch. unbothered, but that's what's cute, because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera, special anniversary edition, ladies and gentlemen, the one-year anniversary of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I was told by Zach Elk, that slippery rat bastard that ended up leaving me, as well as... My good friend, Ms. Renee Merlot. So technically, I hadn't kept track. Check, kept. I hadn't kept track because I'm terrible with dates. And uh, I always talk about how I love my mother and my father, and they're my favorite people in the world, and that always holds true. But I don't remember either their birthdays. I always get confused. Um, one of the few birthdays I remember is my little niece, uh, my baby, I call her, and um, little Stacy. And um, yeah, I remember her birthday, but outside of her birthday, I'm really not, I remember my friend Dwayne's birthday, but that's only because it's the same birthday as my niece. So since it's the same day, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I have to let both of them know. But outside of that, I'm really not good with birthday or with dates. And so I didn't even remember that this was the anniversary of one year of Ty or the anniversary of one year of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I mean. But here's what I'm trying to really get at this episode. I know that I talked a bit about um, having my little post on Facebook where I was looking for a feature to go with me. Mr. Ashley Johnson was the feature that ended up being my lucky winner for this trip. And, you know, I've struggled with this because I didn't really know how I wanted to do it. And I guess... It's hard for me to do this one in this way just because I feel like I've set myself up where I almost have to be open about everything that happens with me uh, on my podcast just because that's kind of what it's been set up on, you know? It's been whatever bothered me in an effort to get unbothered, I would talk about it. And here's what I'll tell you guys um, ended up happening and where I'm kind of at with everything. First off, let me say that I really like Ashley Johnson. I think he's a good comic. I think he's a nice guy. Um, but when it came to being on the road, our original plan was to leave at 9 p.m. on Tuesday. So he hits me up in the evening sometime or, like, you know, late day and says that he's going to need until 9.30 to handle whatever he has to handle before he can come pick me up. Because we were going in his car, which was part of the deal. It was like, let's go in your car. Uh, or I posted on Facebook that I was looking for a feature that not only was funny, but also had a car because I wanted to bring my dogs and whatever like that. So I get hit up um, 
I was talking to Ashley at some point, and he says he was thinking about renting a car. Now, keep in mind that I actually disqualified a few people that said that they were willing to rent a car because I just didn't feel like it was worth it financially for them and in good conscience. I wouldn't really want anybody to rent a car and pay that much to have a car and take on that liability or that responsibility to go on the road with me. I was just like, if you have a car and you can do it, then great. But if nobody had come through with a car or had been sufficiently funny, I just would have flown myself out there and gone with the local talent because I know I can always count on the club, which I was doing loonies uh, in Colorado Springs. I know I can always count on the club to go ahead and um, get me support if I need it. They can get me a feature and a host this time. They just took care of the host, who was Mr. Wade Ridley, who's a comic that I really like out of Pueblo. He's a friend of mine. And so that's what we did. Well, when he first talked about renting a car, I was like in my head thinking, okay, but that's kind of not what I wanted to happen. But I'm not going to tell another adult how to handle themselves, especially after I've already book them for the gig. It's kind of like, however you navigate that, you navigate that, but that's on you. So then he hit me up a second time about the rental car, and this time uh, he wanted me to be somewhat involved, not financially, but somewhat involved. And I just felt like, yeah, if I wanted to go through all that, I would have just rented a car if that's what I wanted to do. Or maybe I would have rented a van or something like that, which may be an option that I end up taking in the future if I decide to. But I just didn't want to be at all bothered with that, which I know this is called unbothered, and now you guys see. But I didn't want to be bothered with that at all. I didn't want to make that my issue. I didn't want that to be a thing. And so it took me a long time to respond, and then I was just like, you know, if there's something wrong with your car and you'd prefer I just take somebody else or go by myself, then I'm fine with that. And I'm really trying to be not as... Well, I don't think I've ever been particularly hair trigger when it comes to people like the way I treat people because I try to be as nice as I possibly can with people. That's something I definitely do try my best to do is be as patient as I possibly can be, uh, especially when it comes to being on the road because the way that I do the road, diva antics really wouldn't work. Like... I have to carry my own shit in a lot of cases and I, for the most part, travel by myself or just with my dogs, which I love my little dogs, but when I travel, just me and them, it's a lot of work for me because I got to have their stuff and my stuff and I've got to keep track of everything and they've got to have beds for when we're inside the um, hotel and it just, it does add up to a bit more work. Uh, but I'm used to, my point is, I'm used to doing this by myself. Like, this is stuff that I usually take care of. And I don't mind taking care of it. But the thing that got me about that was, if your car is not okay to take or you don't feel comfortable taking your car, then that kind of makes it so the deal's not really worth it for me because I could have just flown myself out there or I could drive myself out there last minute, which I did la one of the last times I went out. And it really wasn't fun because it's such a long drive and that's why I was going to just fly myself from now on. That's what I did the last time was just flew myself out there. And this time I had more stuff lined up so I could have just flown and rented a car and not had to deal with another person and probably could have done all that for what I paid in gas anyway. Um, not that gas is particularly expensive, but flights are cheap and rental car can be really cheap too. And so I was trying my best to just keep the agreement, but let him know if it wasn't going to be possible for you to feel, fulfill the requirements, then I can just take myself. So he had said that that wasn't the option that he wanted to take, that he definitely had it with his car. And I was like, okay. Well, somewhere in all this, my shoulder ended up getting messed up, which I only mentioned because it did add a bit of discomfort to the trip, which is nobody's fault but my own. I was practicing handstands, and I ended up hurting my shoulder pretty bad, which when I say hurting my shoulder pretty bad, I'm the kind of person that's pretty 
I've got a high tolerance for pain. That's just what it is. I don't know where it came from or why it's like that, but I have a high tolerance for pain. So when I'm having trouble lifting my shoulder over my head or when I'm even trying to comb my hair, and um, there was a point where I was flat ironing my hair where my hand, my arm was legit bad shaking, and it was really, really painful. And I thought I had torn my rotator cuff because it was hard for me to even do anything on that side, and even reaching for the seatbelt or driving hurt. It just was, you know, a bit of discomfort. So anyway, my point is, uh, then we get to the night we're supposed to leave. We were supposed to leave at 9 p.m. Tuesday night, and like I said earlier in the evening, he hit me up and let me know that he was going to be late and that he was going to be here around 9.30 at my place because that's where he was supposed to pick me up. I was cool with that, um, but it did kind of occur to me. I was like, you know, we said 9, and I asked if 9 was okay the day before, but at the same time, and I'm not trying to be a stickler about something so small. It's just something I make mental note of because when I'm going out with people on the road, I do take mental notes because it's kind of like, okay, how are we traveling together? How is this trip going? How am I gauging where I'm at with it? So he ends up hitting me up at 9.30, which was the time he was supposed to pick me up, and I was like, cool, he's probably just making sure where he has to pick me up. Instead, it's a text saying that he is, or asking for my, addre my address, and I was like, okay, and I sent the address, and right after I was like, so how far are you? And I thought maybe he was in the neighborhood, but just couldn't remember the address or the building, which is fine, too. He's been here only one other time, so I wasn't tripping off that either. And then he says he's 20 to 30 minutes away. Well, now, instead of leaving 30 minutes after we're supposed to leave, we end up leaving an hour after we're supposed to leave. So I was kind of feeling like maybe I should just ditch this idea and take myself because the other thing I should tell you guys is that usually there's a condo that we stay at that has two bedrooms. I was let know that because they had some kind of problem with the condo or had to get rid of the condo that uh, I was going to be staying at a hotel and this was something that they let me know like maybe two weeks before and said was I okay sharing a room in my feature because the hotel that they chose that's the way it was going to work out best and they were like it's got all the amenities and it did turn out to be a really nice hotel um El Elegante or Elegante Hotel in Colorado Springs which has a dog park in it and it's a, a pretty good sized little dog park for the dogs to play in it's got the big side and the little side it also has a jogging path it it's just it's a nice hotel and so I didn't know anything about the hotel other than they, it's, they said it had all the amenities and it was nice, but it would, they were only going to have one room this trip and then next time they'd be better settled and have two rooms. So when they said that, there was a part of me that felt like, okay, maybe I shouldn't bring anybody with me, but since I had already promised Ashley that he was going to go, uh, and I got him approved. And I know I could have just asked them to go out and get me local support even then. But I was like, let me just keep my word to Ashley and do what I'm supposed to do. So I said, okay. I let Ashley know that that was going to be the situation. So that's what we did. No problem there. Um, even though it's something I take note of just on my own because I'm like, okay, I'm going to be sharing a room with somebody and I'm not really the most used to sharing rooms at this point, especially with people that I don't usually hang out with all the time. Like, you know, like I said, I like Ashley, but I know him mainly from doing the mics. And so I've never shared a room with him or you know, anything like that, where with like Chris Rubio or Chris Doran, I've shared rooms with them quite a bit. And that's about the extent of people that I've actually shared rooms with. So, and I'm not always the best with that because I do like to have my time to myself. But I was like, okay, then let's just go ahead and do what we're going to do. So we end up leaving at 10. Kind of annoying. I had one quick errand I had to run to go get cigarettes so that I didn't have to think about that while I was on the trip. So we went to handle that. Then uh, Ashley did most of the driving on our way to Pueblo. Pueblo was the first show we were doing. And uh, my bad, I forgot to tell the booker of Pueblo show um, that 
we were going to be, that I was bringing Ashley with me, I had taken it for granted that the booker would just know that I was traveling on my own feature, which I ended up getting cleared up right away, and Ashley ended up doing a 20-minute set there or something like that. So it was a decent little set for him. But uh, that was just something I forgot because that show was kind of an add-on. And he Ashley did most of the driving, so that was cool. And I felt sort of good about that again because I was like, okay, so we left an hour late, but it's still... It, there was also the rental car thing that was playing in my head where I was just like, I'm not getting a lot of this stuff because, like, when I'm I'm so specific in what I ask for, I just feel like it should be a lot easier because the way I work is I don't bullshit you. You don't bullshit me. We just do things the way that we're supposed to do them. And that's the way it works. I mean, as far as when I take a feature with me, I am doing you the favor of bringing you on the road. In this case, I was taking Ashley to Pueblo, Colorado, where he got to meet the booker of that. Then I took him to Looney's where we spent Thursday, Friday, Saturday doing shows and then we did Sunday at the Comedy Works, which most comics will tell you is one of the best clubs in the country. Like, Comedy Works is a club that everybody loves doing. And the audiences are always great. And um, my turnouts are usually really good there. And so it's just going to be a good experience for all involved when, you know, that, that's the run you're doing. Because, like, Pueblo, you can meet the booker. Um... Colorado Springs, you can meet the owner who also books and you can talk to them a bit and hopefully make the best impression you can possibly make. Um, and we had we had fun. It was like a good good conversation and we got along. There were just a few things that kind of bothered me, like uh, night one, night two, I noticed that there was almost no snoring at all. Uh, we had to share room the entire time. So night one, night two, almost no, no snoring involved. Then night three was snoring, but it was like, I noticed some people that if they drink a bit, then they'll start to snore. I, this is just something I've noticed. Some people, when they drink, they snore. And apparently that was the case with Ashley, because night three, he snored a bit, and I was able to sleep through it, but at the same time, it was just kind of like, I'm hearing snoring, and like then I was able to go to sleep. But <sighs> then night four, the snoring lasted until 7.30 a.m., and night four was probably the most important night for me to get sleep, because after night four, we had to check out of the hotel, then we had to get to Denver. Then I had the show at De in Denver at Comedy Works, which the thing with Comedy Works is it's a really great club, but it's because the owner makes it that way. The owner, she is so... I don't want to say tough at all because she's a really nice lady. She just really knows what she's looking for and she wants to keep the club up to a certain standard and in that way i really appreciate what she's doing like i mentioned on facebook the other day that they have yonder pouches which are the pouches that make it so that your phone can't emit signal and you don't have access to your phone and so they have to uh, actually open your phone for you sort of like the same way when you buy something and they take the security tag off of it like that's the way that works with the yonder pouches so um everything that they do at that club is just so that the comics and the audience have the best experience and i know that i have to knock it out of the park whenever i do that club because that's what they're looking for. They want to keep the standard really high. And so if I'm tired on that particular day because I've been up because the feature is snoring, which is really not something that has to happen since the feature doesn't snore when they don't drink. And I think that at the age that a lot of the people I deal with are at, you know the kind of habits you have or like that some things will make you snore. But it's one of those things where I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to be up until 7.30 a.m. and slapping your bed every once in a while like, hey, roll over on your side or do something about the snoring because I don't want to be sharing rooms with people in the first place. But then I extend myself and actually do it just because I don't want to be like the bitchy person or go back on my word. But at the same time, it's just like help me out a little. 
You know, help me out a little bit by, like, if you know that you snore when you drink, then you don't drink so that you don't snore so it doesn't become an inconvenience for me. Because at the end of the day, that's what these shows rely on. Like, it is on the headliner to bring anything that's gone wrong during the show. That's got to be made right by the headliner. So if the, you know... The host and feature were running a little slow that night. The headliner has to come in and close the night and bring it to the kind of crescendo that it actually needs to be at. And if I'm tired, that's not something I can do. Um, there was, you know, there was a lady that we think had a seizure during Ashley's set on the early show. That was a weird situation and something he had to work through, which I commend him on that. Overall, his sets were good. You know, um... There were a few, I guess, instances where I wasn't sure if it was, like, trying new stuff. But I guess not everybody's used to featuring like that. But the main thing when you're featuring, and this is what I would tell anybody, um, regardless of what happened on any trip or anything, the main thing that you want to do when you're featuring, when somebody brings you out as a feature, is you really want to do material you know that works. So you, if you have more experimental stuff... I would pretty much stay away from that and just do what you know is your actual A type material. You know, you want it to be your A set and and tight, like as tight as it possibly can be. Like, you know, night one, if you got to shake out the cobwebs or get used to doing 25 minutes, 30 minutes, then I fully get that. I fully understand that. But night by technically by show two or three, if you ask me, your set should just be running along like on a schedule like this is the way the set works I know what it is because you're ultimately trying to impress the club owner and the booker it's not really so much about me it's the club owner and or booker that you really want to impress so that they see you just knock it out and they're like okay we've got to have this guy back at least to feature and then they'll usually have you feature once or twice and then after you've featured once or twice, then they'll bump you up to headliner. But that's ideally what ends up happening. But you got to make sure that set is tight. You got to make sure that when they walk in, they're going to be hearing laughs. That's kind of all you want them to hear, especially in a feature set because the feature is shorter. And it's also you're not dealing with check drop, which is when they put the checks down for anybody that doesn't know. Somebody asked me what check drop was not too long ago. Check drop is actually when... People get their checks, and it tends to happen, you know, all at once, and it happens at a particular time, and it happens during the headliner set. Usually about 15, 20 minutes before the show's over, they start dropping checks and making sure everybody's paid up before the headliner's over, because sometimes once the show is done, then people would just scramble, start scrambling towards the doors, and that'll screw the servers over, because if anybody wants to be dishonest, that's their point to do it, because people are rushing out. So it usually happens like 15, about 15, 20 minutes before you are wrapping up your set, which... It's its own thing, but um, the feature doesn't have to deal with that. The feature doesn't, you know, check drop isn't happen happening during their set. So you kind of have everything set up so that you can really excel when you're in the feature spot. Like, this is why I tell people featuring is the best place to be. It's the middle person, you know, it goes... I know I've said it before, but just to tell you guys, anybody that doesn't know, host, feature, headliner. That's the way a show works. So you see the host first. Occasionally there's a guest set in between, which you usually do five to seven minutes. And then the feature does 25 to 30 minutes. Then the headliner does 45 minutes to an hour, depending on what the club wants. Usually they want a minimum of 45 minutes. Then anything you do after that is up to you. And they want you to be off an hour at the most. I've seen some big headliners go an hour and a half. But when you're really packing them in like that, they're not going to tell you anything about going an hour and a half. But if you're a guy like me that's still like building in certain areas and figuring out you know, how, how to harness your audience and have them all know and we had good turnouts especially you know it's summer so that's their slow season over there but we had really good turnouts all weekend so I'm pretty sure they were happy with that even the shows that are usually light had better attendance than they usually do so you know it it's just that's what I want to see and what 
because I'm taking you out there so that the bookers can use you again, so that you can continue to work. Because to me, it's almost a wasted opportunity if you don't get booked there again, because then I'm kind of like, okay, well, I don't know that I necessarily made the right choice. And maybe my picker is a little off at that point, because, you know, ideally, you should at least be able to come back as working the feature spot, which... I don't know what ended up happening with that, but I don't think that's what's going to be happening. And, like, understand that I am trying my best right now to, to not, because I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I just use this podcast to talk about the way I felt about different situations and stuff, and this is just the way that this particular weekend ended up going down for me, you know? So we got through that, and it was, you know, but they weren't bad sets at all. It just not just all A material, which is what I wanted to see. But anyway, that, it was still okay. But then I'm up all night, and I got to say, that really did bother me, because I'm like, I just have to sleep. But I wasn't able to get to sleep till after 7.30 a.m. And, you know, like me slapping the bed, it was like, you know, I did it at 5, I did it at 6, I did it, like, you know, closer to 7. I just kept trying to be like, can you please stop snoring? And it was loud, and I can sleep through decent snoring because my dad used to snore when I was younger, and I was a spoiled kid, so I slept on their floor, and um, <laughs> which is probably more than people need to know about me, but it's just the way I was when I was a kid. And so I would always sleep in my parents' room, and I would hear my dad snoring, and I was able to sleep through that. And so it was just a really loud snoring that kept me up. And I started a second guess. Like, I was like, ah, I can't. I think I made the wrong decision, and I need to stop whenever it's going to be inconvenience to me in any way, I, which I'm usually pretty good about that, but sometimes I break my own rule. But when things are going to be an inconvenience to me, I need to really just stay away from them and 100% worry about me is what I need to do. So that ends up happening. Then we go to Comedy Works. I have Mike Stanley do a guest set. Mike Stanley did really well. Ashley did really well. Um, the host, Ron Ferguson, did really well. I did exactly what I'm supposed to do as well. And uh, just rocked that room. And they were great. And it was fun. And it was everything that I needed it to be. Uh, just such a good time. And the condo there is beautiful at the Comedy Works or the condo for the Comedy Works in Denver. It was just, it's all the way around, just a good situation. So we do that, and that's great. And then we're on our way back to L.A. from Colorado. And there was a point where we stopped to get gas, and it had to be like 8 in the morning. I was asleep, and I'm like handling all the gas, so I don't mind waking up to, you know, slide my card and make sure that the gas pump gets turned on. Then I run to the bathroom, and then when I come out of the bathroom, Ashley looks at me, and he's like pulling the car around or getting ready to pull the car around, and he was like, oh, I decided to get two new tires on the car for the way home. And I was just thinking in my head, like, one, why would you interrupt my sleep to get tires? And then the second thing that went through my head was, if you genuinely need tires, this is something you should have figured out and taken care of before you came on the road. Or maybe your car just wasn't ready to be on the road and you shouldn't have necessarily applied for the position if your car wasn't ready. I just was feeling like I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know how the, anybody thinks that this would be a good idea. And again, I'm trying to be as nice as possible, but I just don't get, that would have never been an option for me. Like if I had to get tires when I was on the road, which did actually happen once when I was just driving myself as the feature, it was when I was in Oregon, but I took care of it while I was in Oregon. So on one of the days that we were in Colorado Springs, 
you just could have taken some time to yourself and been like, I got to go run an errand or I got to go get tires. If you had said any of that, I would have been fine with it. It's not like you have to sneak around like I'm your parent or something because that's not the role I'm trying to play. So if you were just like, you know, hey, I need to go run and get some tires, I would have been like, cool, I'm chilling here at the hotel room. I don't care. But to do that in the middle of the ride home from Denver, I just was not happy. And now I have to stay up extra long, which just the night before I didn't get the best sleep because I was up because of the feature snoring. And now I'm up because the feature needs tires. And there is a part of me that also feels like, why bother headlining if you're going to have to deal with all these little inconveniences? Like I could, like I said, I could have flown myself and gotten a car rental for about the same thing I was paying for gas. And yeah, I would have had to leave my dogs with Chris Rubio, but I'm beginning to feel like that might be the better option on a lot of these things because I'm going to tell you guys, like to varying degrees, there's always going to be some kind of headache with bringing along somebody else because then you have to worry about two people instead of just yourself. And so I'm really beginning to rethink this type of thing. And I've said it before, but I think that that's a lot of why you see more and more headliners going with only one person. See, because my thing is I've tried to kind of share the wealth a little bit. And instead of just bringing Chris Rubio with me every time or Chris Storen with me every time, I've tried to be like, okay, let me see if I can give some other people a shot. But when these things happen and it's like I'm dealing with more inconvenience because I brought another person, it's like now I'm paying to do you a favor. Now I'm in a shitty situation and not getting the sleep that I would usually get, which, yes, sleep is very important to me. So some of you might be listening and thinking, oh, he's being a baby. He needs his sleep. They woke him up. Well, yeah, I do get my sleep. I want to make sure I get my sleep. I need my sleep, especially when I'm dealing with any kind of injury, which, yes, this shoulder was fucked. I really did think I tore my rotator cuff. I definitely do not think that's the case now because my arm, my shoulder has regained most of its mobility, but there is still some kind of pain in there, and I still have to watch how I sleep. So when I'm... Because your body does most of its recovery while you're sleeping like that's just the way it works and I know this because I'm a person that works out and I pay attention to the way that my body works and I've read a lot of stuff and so I really need my sleep at that point and now I'm up waiting to get tires which the tires ended up taking 15 to 20 minutes but that's 15 20 minutes that now I'm awake and now I have to get myself to go back to sleep again once I get in the car and I don't know if I'm going to be expected to drive at any point which I'm open to driving and technically that's one thing that I was cool with doing if we ended up doing like half and half the driving or that kind of stuff I would have been fine with that Ashley took on most of the driving like 90 percent of the driving and I'll fully admit that that did make things a bit more comfortable in that way. But when you add up the other little inconveniences, it just gets like, I don't really want to fuck myself to help other people. I just don't. And I know that might sound like a really selfish thing. I don't know what the average person thinks anymore because I just don't think that way. I've, I've really got to be honest when I say that I just don't want to do anything other than what's best for me you know I just want to really concentrate on making sure I'm giving the best performances that I can do and from now on I think I'm done with the let's pick a feature just out of the bucket so to speak and see how that works out I th think I'm pretty well done with that now I just can't really so that's how I felt on that. And like I said, I still like Ashley and I think he's a cool guy and we're great for being friends at the mics and stuff like that. But as far as feature headliner, that didn't work out very well. And I know that this probably sounds like a dick thing to say, but I'm not really friends with people in that way. You know, like when it comes to work, I want it to be work and yeah, we're friendly, we're friends, but at the same time, it's got to be like, okay, you're here to do a job, and your job is not only to be the feature, but also to make sure that the vehicle that we're taking isn't a headache for me in any way, or that I have to deal with any of that. You know, had it been like 
a blowout out of nowhere or something like that, I could at least be a little more understanding of that. But when you know you needed tires, because we all know, if you have bald tires, you know that it's been a while since you've changed your tires and you know that the way it drives is a little bit different. And so it wasn't the, but I don't know your car and I'm not going to inspect it before we leave and be like, it looks like those tires could be changed or I don't fucking know shit like that. I mean, like I'm not, I know my car and I know about how long it's been since I've had new tires put on that. I remember it was like Thanksgiving when I had new tires put on my car because I was home in Phoenix. But it just, it isn't the kind of thing I want to think about when I'm with somebody else. It's like, that's what you're in charge of. So there was that. And then uh, I got back and I've still been waiting to go to the gym because, like I said, my shoulder isn't 100% yet and I don't want to do anything to aggravate that. Then there's been a rash of um, comics, which I had a comic not too long ago. There's, what I'm trying to get at is there's been a rash of comics, white comics, that think it's edgy or cool to say the N-word, which... You know, navigate yourself as far as that goes. But I got to say, when it comes to that, I don't have your back. Just because I understand how a lot of people feel about that word. Namely, black people feel about that word. And I think they have a right to feel that way about that particular word. So I'm just like, you know, if you want to be bold enough to say it on stage and there's any kind of consequence. Because I've seen where some comics have been like, you know... I believe somebody said they'd sock somebody dead through their chest was one thing I read. And I can understand that anger just because a lot of people have really been abused with that word. So if you're going to be bold enough to say it on a stage, I can't necessarily say I have your back if somebody gets mad at you. And I'd prefer nobody do anything physical to anybody. Honestly, that's what I'd prefer just because... I've seen a lot of people get beat up in my life, and I don't really need to see any more people get beat up in my life, I don't feel like. And also, you know, there is something that's kind of maybe feels like we should be past that as far as people physically assaulting each other, but I just can't say that I would blame somebody in that case just because some people are just really tired of that word and they're putting it out there like, hey, don't say this. It's very offensive. But I also say what I want on stage. It's just, you know, that's not one of the things that I have a desire to say. So maybe I'm being a hypocrite right here, and that might be a little bit of a character flaw. I also learned on this particular trip that I'm not... Well, not even on this particular trip. I've learned, and I'm going to be honest about this, um... I just don't have sympathy for white people when they talk to me about instances of racial discrimination that have happened towards them. And I will admit that this is something I need to work towards having a bit more sympathy towards. But at the same time, it's really hard for me right now in the way that I just don't want to hear it. Because to me, I can't help but feel like, yeah, that's you getting to see firsthand a little bit of what it's like to be ethnic in America. Like, if you're just born brown or any shade other than white, up until recently there has been, and I say up until recently because I do notice the changes at the same time, and I do realize that it's in a lot of cases a different generation of white people that we're dealing with right now, but my existence has kind of spanned from when people could be openly racist and openly homophobic to where we are now. You know, when I was younger, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was younger, there were people that were openly racist all around me, and it was just something that you knew was there, and you dealt with, and you were a kid, so it wasn't like you were changing the world, you weren't starting marches, you weren't, I know I wasn't doing any of that, or thinking about that, or wouldn't even know how to make that happen when I was like, you know, the ages that this was going on, like that was happening all through my childhood. From the time I was five, I had a racist kindergarten teacher 
and intermittently I deal with racism throughout my scholastic career. And, you know, it wasn't every single white person, but it was a fair amount. And I just was accepted to understand or expected to understand that because I was born brown and I knew that there that was going to come at me. Um, my parents were nice enough to kind of clue me into that when I was younger and I experienced it for the f probably the first time when I told them about it and they let me know what that was about. It wasn't like they sat me down. It was very much like this is just a part of life for us sometimes. Um, and yeah, tell us about it and nobody should treat you that way. But at the same time, they knew that there was no way that they could completely shelter me from it because stuff just happens while you're at school or they're not around. And once they knew about it, anytime I told them anything like that was going on, they definitely would go address it. And they were always really good. My parents were good with words and talking to the teachers and kind of letting the teacher lightweight know, I'm watching you. I see what it is you're doing and I know what it is my kids like because I was raised to have a lot of respect for people. So when I was younger, I really put up with a lot more shit than I'm ever going to let my kid put up with if I ever have a kid because, you know, but like I said, it was a different time. So even if my parents had tried to make a super big deal of it, I don't know that my entire town or the people even at my school would have got along with it, gone along with it as much as they would have been like, yeah, your kid just needs to learn how to respect authority and, and not even understanding that that was my never my problem when I was a kid like I very much respected authority but racism was just in the place that I was at so um I can't say that I particularly feel bad for white people when these things happen to them and when they pull the like woe is me um like no that's not really I guess I can hear it and be like, okay, I accept that that's an experience you had and maybe you want to talk about it for a second. But at the same time, it's not something that I'm really going to, you know, feel bad for you about or rub your back and be like, you know, oh, honey, they said what? They did what to you? I'm just like, yeah, shit happens sometimes. So do what I do and straighten up your wig and keep it pushing, bitch. Keep it pushing. So that's another thing that I'm not really willing to, or another trip I'm not really willing to go on with people. And I've heard some white people doing it, and some of them are my friends, and I try my best to hear them out. But at the same time, I'm just sort of like, yeah, not so much. And plus, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I'm not always talking about present-day racism with me because when... I think people are shitty or whatever. I just stay away from them. So, like, the racism that I deal with at this point or the racism that I talk about at this point is, like, from when I was younger, things that I've observed or, you know, I guess, I don't know. Um, I just, I know Leslie Jones had that thing not too long ago where she said, like, the Hilton was racist or something like that, which... She never ended up giving any examples, and that's one thing that does bother me about what a lot of people call racism is now it's even victim-blaming to ask to hear what the situation is, and it's like maybe I wouldn't even think that's racist. Maybe I would just think that you were being... You blamed something on race that could have been something other than race. I don't know. When you don't give examples, I can't have your back ever, which is... One thing a lot of people have really gotten mad at me about is that sometimes people will tell half a story and be like, this is a case of, and it's like, well, I don't really know if that's a case of whatever you're saying is being, be it racism, homophobia, transphobia, anything that people get accused of these days because you're only giving me half the story. And if I ask you for more than that, that part of the story, then suddenly I'm victim blaming and I'm questioning your story. Well, I just want to make sure that if I'm a part of any kind of angry mob, that I'm doing it for the right reasons and not just doing it because it seems like the popular thing to do. Like I said, when if you take that example of people saying the N-word, like I can see 
how some people wouldn't necessarily care for that word and wouldn't appreciate people using it. I can see that myself. So in that case, I can have your back because I can see how you would be like, I'm not going to put up with this, especially from white people. And yes, there is a difference sometimes because I know that Asian people will use the N-word sometimes and some people are cool with that. Then sometimes some of the Mexicans use the N-word and some people are cool with that. Then there's people that use the N-word when they're just talking to their friends, which that's between you and your friends. But you got to remember that about that, though, is it's commonly referred to a pass and not everybody is going to honor your pass. Sometimes the past that your friend gave you is only valid with your friend because once you get to the outside and you're dealing with people that don't know you and don't know you like that and don't have that relationship with you, then suddenly your past isn't valid anymore. But like I said, that's between you and whoever you're doing it with. But since I can see how it is people wouldn't want to tolerate that word, then I can have your back on that. But then when it comes to other things, like I said, where I can't see it, it's I don't have the full story, then I'm just kind of like, yeah, I can't really go with you on that necessarily because I don't really see how it all connects or how it works out. But that's what people want now. People want you to just go with their side. I try to tell you guys as much of every story as I can tell you. And I know that sometimes people have questions afterwards and I'll, I appreciate every single person that tells me, Hey, when I was listening to unbothered, there was one thing that I didn't get, or, Hey, you didn't explain this story the right way. So I don't know what happens. And a lot of times I will at least answer them a little bit in the moment, but I'll also be like, yeah, if you listen to the next episode, I'll make sure to clear that up because I don't want people to feel like I'm not giving them the full story on this kind of stuff, you know? So if anybody has any questions about this, feel free to ask me in my Facebook comments or feel free to ask me when you see me and I'll try my best to clear it up on the next episode. So, but I think, you know, as far as all that goes, I've been pretty clear on where I stand and I just, I guess my main point of this whole episode is <sighs> I've been talking a bit about like how things need to change and I don't know if the places I hang out need to change or the circle of friends I'm hanging out with need to change, which I don't really hang out with a lot of people regularly, but something's got to change. Something's not clicking for me right now. And as much as I'd like to blame it on the weekend or Ashley Johnson or any of that, all of that is just side effects or shrapnel from whatever else isn't really clicking. Like, I think I am. It's me. I'm picking the wrong people right now to surround myself in certain cases and it's not that they're bad people or it's not that they're not good it's just that they're not necessarily the best fit for me in some of the instances that I'm using them in and I think that maybe I've made myself a little too accessible in certain ways and that's also started to bother me because I have people sometimes talk to me like we're friends on the same level and as far as just human beings go we can be on the same level but as far as stand-up comedy goes I've been at it a long time and I've worked a different road than a lot of people have because of the way that my circumstances have played out you know because of my factors being gay and Latino and even looking Asian to a degree has shaped the way that my career has gone so far and these aren't things that I have a problem with but at the same time there are things that have given me a different kind of insight to a lot of things than than other people would get in a lot of cases and when you have people talking to you like they understand what it is you've been through when they've only been doing comedy for a year or they treat you like you're the same as them when they've only been doing it for a short time. It's like, no, and I don't say that to make it seem like I'm better than people, but at the same time, it's like, 
No, it's just I have a different view because I've been at it longer and I've been having to deal with like certain types of bullshit with it. And when it comes to working with people, I don't want to have to go out of my way. I don't want to have to change what it is I'm doing to make other people or get other people opportunities. I think from now on, I just need to go by myself on the road, leave my dogs with Chris when he can take them. And then if he can't take them, I'll find other babysitters for my puppies. Hopefully Chris can always take them or his wife can if he's gone because that's where my puppies love being outside of my place. Sometimes they love it even more than my place, to tell you the truth. Sometimes I go to pick them up and they are bummed out that they're leaving their friends. And that's another thing I'll tell you guys. Um, my little Bijou has been going through her cycle um, for the last, like, 10 days now or something, which means it's almost over. We're almost done, I can tell you that. But... Um, I've been able to be with her the whole time, which has been really great for me just because, you know, she's got to wear her little chonies, which is one of the nicknames I have for her when she's like this, you know, when she's going through her heat cycle because she's got to wear her little chonies with the, with the pads, the panty liners inside of them. And I have to, you know, change the pad several times a day and I have to make sure she's comfy and I have to baby her a little bit because, you know, she's my little girl and she's going through her cycle. And I know the first couple of days it's miserable for her. Like, she's just not happy and she doesn't like me. Like, I usually end up finding out when it's going to be about time for her to have her cycle because I pat her little booty a lot just when we're hanging out. You know, I just pat her little booty. And I notice that when she's getting close to her cycle, she'll give me a look sort of like, don't pat my booty right now, please. I don't feel good. And then I'm always like, oh, my baby. And then I check her out and I know like what to look for because... I read about it back on, back in Google, like how you could tell, or on Google back in the day, I should say, when I first got her and I thought that that was happening or it might be coming. Um, so I know the signs and what to look for. So as soon as she gives me that look, I'll kind of check her out and I'll also think about like what time of year it is because it tends to be about every six months. So it's July now. The last one is probably, I think, December was the last time we went through one of these, and it was around Christmas time. So, you know, like six, seven months. Maybe this was, what, eight months? Because December to July? But, yeah, so, you know, it's somewhere around six months apart. So if it's been six months or more, then I'm like, okay, then this could be what it is. So I look for the other signs and... If they're there, I know it's almost time, and so I've got to watch her. And then there's always a definite time where you know it's time for Chonies, which, like I said, nickname for her. I'll be like, come on, Chonies. Come here, Chonies. Like right now, I'm saying it, and her, she decided to get up from her nap and looked at me like, what do you want? She's not happy when I call her Chonies because, you know, I also call her chonies when I have to put her chonies on. I'm like, come here, chonies. Just put your chonies on. I know. I hate it too, puppy. And But, you know, I was glad I was able to be around for her whole cycle. And some people even judge you on that because I haven't had my dog fixed. Well, Jerry, when he came out, he came from the pound so or the Humane Society. So he was already fixed when I got him. But little Bijou... I want her to have at least, not at least, because I only, I have a definite plan on this. I want her to have one litter of puppies. Just one litter of puppies, and then I will keep one puppy, which will be a boy, because I made Bijou a promise that she would stay the lady of the house no matter what happened. She's my only girl. She's the only bitch that's going to be here. And so um, I want one little boy, and then I'll have him fixed. 
so that Bijou can stay the way she is. And I know that she could probably live longer in the long run if I got her, you know, fixed after she has her litter of puppies. But I just don't know if I want to do that. And people will disagree, but I don't want to have my dog get a hysterectomy and possibly change her personality and go through whatever hormonal changes. I just... I don't know that I feel comfortable doing that, and I'm not shaming anybody else for doing it. Like, you know, my best friend, she had her dog fixed when she was a little puppy, and she paid to have her fixed, and, you know, I understand that. She's done it with all of her dogs or the other dogs she had as well, and I fully respect that as what she knew was right for her and her dog and her situation and what her experience has been. But for me, I just feel like with Bijou already having grown into a little lady, a full woman, and she's had several cycles now, it's kind of like, I don't want to get her fixed. I just don't want to risk changing anything about that cute little personality and the way she behaves and even her little bit of aggression. Like today we shot a webisode for Nick Guerra and which I'll let you guys know when that's out, but we shot the webisode for Nick Guerra and Bijou was growling the whole time and like doing a let me at him, let me at him, which was exactly what I wanted her to do because I was playing me, but we were talking about internet controversy and like how to stir it up and that kind of stuff. And so it made perfect sense that my little puppy would be ridiculously aggressive as I'm talking about this stuff. So I don't know how much it's going to show up in the actual finished product, but they'll have to be part of it because she was just doing it at different points. And I wasn't going to stop her because I was like, this is way too cute for me to stand in the way of. And I love my puppy and I'm not going to try to have her not have her cute little personality when I'm shooting something that requires her cute little personality. Now, when she's acting bad, when people are just trying to hang out, then I'll say something. But when she's in a webisode and actually playing her part, it's not her fault she's a natural-born actress. It's not her, her fault she's got talent or range. I'm not going to discourage talent and range. What if somebody had told Meryl Streep that she should use less talent and rage and range? <laughs> well, I guess rage, too, because that's what Bijou had when she was trying to pull the let me at him, let me at him with Nick Guerra. But, um, yeah, talent and range. I'm not going to try to dissuade you from that. You do what you have to do. Well, guys, I will tell you one more thing before I get out of here. Well, probably two more things before I get out of here. One thing I will tell you guys is um, I hope everything came out the way I wanted it to because I'm not at all, like I said, trying to throw anybody under the bus. And I think Ashley Johnson would be a fine road buddy uh, for somebody else in the future. Just for me, it wasn't necessarily the best fit and I didn't really know the best way to say that so for me the best way to say something you don't know how to say is to just say it and once you put it out there it's out there and there you go um but you know he did the job he did feature every show he did do his full time he didn't run the light at any point disrespectfully and it just was what it was then when it comes to the N-word, recap on that. You guys already know how that went. Um, and then I don't think I left anything unfinished. It was just um, this is where I'm at. You know, I tried to do my podcast two other times. I tried to do it with Ashley when we were in uh, Colorado Springs on Saturday night. I might chop it up and use pieces of it but it's like as a whole it just to me wasn't really what I like unbothered to be so um in its entirety I don't really know that it would make for a good episode and then today I tried to do one with Joe Chrissy which I appreciate Joe Chrissy actually coming over to my place so we could do it and I might do the same with that and chop it up as well. But I think I was a bit distracted because of other things I had going. And maybe it's something to do with 
planetary alignment. Jill Chrissy, I know, is an Aquarius as well. And, like, it was a fun conversation. It was cool. But it just didn't seem to flow that I wa- the way that I wanted it to, which maybe it's because I had other things on my mind, and I would be 100% willing to take responsibility for any kind of... It wasn't even awkward because we're good at talking to each other because, again, we're both Aquarians. And I know that some people are going to say I'm putting way too much into astrology for thinking that, but those people aren't Aquarians. They don't understand that there is a different connection that you have with other Aquarians where you feel like you can talk to them. And maybe we were both on the same page and kind of distracted and had other things going. So it wasn't like the regular flow that we usually have. But I hope to have her on again. And I will use pieces of each of these just to, you know, talk it out a little bit. But um, yeah. That's what's going on with Unbothered. So this is the one-year anniversary, and I hope you guys loved it, Botherinas. I hope I came across the way I wanted to because when it comes to people that I actually do like, I do try to say things in a way that are not inflammatory, but I had to get off my chest, and I think that it's also a bit of a teachable moment. So hopefully you guys got it. Hopefully you guys liked it, and... You can find me at AmericasFavoriteFag.com <laughs> No joke, I bought the domain <laughs> Takes you straight to my website <laughs> Oh yeah uh- I will be in Vegas starting July 31st through August 6th And I will also be in Chicago Starting on... August 11th through the 13th, I will be in Chicago. So if you guys want information on Las Vegas, which is the stratosphere, or Chicago, you can check out AmericasFavoriteFag.com, go to shows, and you guys will get the info there. So I hope everything's good for you guys, and like I said, I hope this came out the way I wanted to. Um, Stan bothered everybody.